Coming up, when does beating the Miami Heat, your closest competitor in the NBA playoffs on Saturday night, not mean a darn thing when you follow it up by losing to the Orlando Magic on Sunday? We break down the terrible loss next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armour, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast and the Devils, New Jersey style, over on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. Let you know today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code all caps locked on. That's prizepick.com, promo code locked on. And Doug, I know what it is to be a parent now because I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. I mean, it's really something you follow up what's easily like the most emotional, eh, not easily, one of the most emotional wins of the year. Just like an awesome victory Saturday night, just straight up victory lap style. Feels like they could never lose another game. One of the best quarters they played as a group that third quarter. Sure. And then to follow it up with a back to back where you just go out and get absolutely smoked by the magic is it's tough, man. It's, the NBA is a roller coaster. The Nets have been um, a more, uh, perilous and treacherous kind of roller coaster than the average NBA team. And this is these last 24 hours for the team actually kind of just sum a lot of it up, right? It's like they find ways to hit really high highs somehow. And then the next, a very short period of time later, you would never have <laughs> believed the thing that you just saw happen, happen. Like it just, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I guess every NBA team has this in them to some degree. It does feel like the Nets have it in them more than most. And this Magic game, just it, it's it's hard to not feel deflated in it with a team that essentially controls their own destiny here when it comes to making the playoffs. Yeah, this team um, makes me emotionally unstable, I think is generally how I feel about watching the Brooklyn Nets, not just this year. Eh, for many years, they've done this to me. And it, and it comes in a game. We'll talk about, obviously, the waste of a 44-point performance from Mikhail Bridges and the performances that were not from so many other key members here. But just to your point on, on what this cost them, I, I was on live YouTube covering the post game after the Miami Heat win, where it felt absolutely incredible for what the Nets were accomplishing, not only in that game, and you mentioned that third quarter, but ultimately what they were accomplishing inside of the NBA standings. And just like that, like one day later, and I said it to close it out, what you cannot afford to do is turn around and absolutely make this a non-consequential victory on Saturday night by losing to the Orlando Magic. They now are in a virtual tie with the Miami Heat, and it sets it up where it's who plays better down the stretch because that's it, 40 and 35, both these teams. And while the Nets have the tiebreaker, they could have given themselves a cushion. They could have even just casually quietly in their darkest deepest intimate moments thought about pursuing the Knicks in the five seed and this really unravels it and I I don't know man it unravels it in a way and I'm not going to dismiss Orlando because they've beaten the Knicks recently they've played good games or they beat Miami recently so it's not even about Orlando 
It's just about the moment and what you have in front of you accomplish. And everybody except for Mikhail effectively lays an enormous egg. Yeah, look, I mean, the the Magic have real guys. This is not a rollover team. This is not, um, you know, they yeah, they sit third to last in the Eastern Conference, but they're pretty well ahead of Charlotte and definitely, I mean, they have twice as many wins as the Pistons. So it's like, yeah. this is not a bottom-feeding team. They have real talent. I mean, we are going to be talking about the Magic probably in a very different way. Give us, give them two years. Like this yeah. team, you'll be talking about this team in a, even as a playoff team, almost for sure, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely not a rollover team. You can't really look at like that on the schedule. It's also a situation where you do have to kind of think about this from a, like, I hate, man, I really hate the, the cliches like this. And I, if you've listened to this podcast a long time, you actually know that neither of us really do this. But like in the old who wants it more category, I mean, this <laughs> yeah. has to count for a lot for the Nets. Like, yeah, the Magic probably don't mind playing spoilers. They have had some interesting wins here on the on the ledger for themselves over the last few months. But the, the, the Nets are just in a playoff fight here. The Magic really aren't. And yeah. It's just like sort of not good enough to get the kind of effort that they got. Yes, it's a back to back. Yeah, you had maybe a key injury or one and a half key injuries to the team. But I mean, the the offensive effort after the bridges was like a complete F minus. That's actually yeah. too high. It was so bad. It, it was so, so bad. And and these games mean a lot for the Nets now. It's a lot to avoid the play in. That means a lot. <laughs> like just guaranteeing yeah. yourself a playoffs uh, slot means a lot, especially for a team that clearly wants that, right? And so for this to be the letdown game, even with other some contextual stuff around it, does feel like we're probably in for this over the final stretch here, right? Even with yeah. a very easy schedule, like by wins and losses, the Nets have the second easiest schedule going forward here for the rest of the season in the NBA. There's no part of me that feels like this is anywhere close to set it's going to be a every game situation going from here on in this magic game exemplifies kind of why yeah and, and not for nothing they're going to play these orlando magic again <laughs> so orlando who's won four out of their last five games certainly as you said they're a better team than the back end of the eastern conference um but for brooklyn they'll play orlando again second to last game on april 7th and if, if you know maybe that'll be an opportunity for the nets to make a statement about what this game tonight was not in terms of where they think that they are, but it's going to now become a sweat. And, and you know, and the worst part, I think for me, eh, worst part, that's that's overstating it. But a brutal part about this is, yes, it is a back-to-back. Both games are in Florida, so there's no real travel that you have to commit to there, obviously. But then it's also that you're not going to play again until Wednesday. Yeah. So, like, there was an opportunity here to really empty the tank. And, and we'll talk about not having Royce O'Neal, and that I think that actually is a big factor. Edmund Sumner, who just had a nice little spark game for you to help you beat the Heat. Like, you, you were missing certain players here. But this was the kind of game, with the way the schedule sets up, to say, just, dude, absolutely leave it out there. And I'm not questioning effort or energy or focus or drive, but you look inside the box score and you just see a lot of, a lot of samples that go – well, I mean, if it's not about a lack of effort, it, it just clearly had some semblance of, I don't know, checked out or lacks of days ago or looking past it, frankly. Like, we're talking about Orlando with respect right now. Was Brooklyn? Or do you do you focus so hard on the Miami game, which matters more out of the two, but then when you turn back around on Sunday night, you catch yourself just kind of having that, oh, yeah, and then we'll take care of Orlando. We'll have two days off and keep on rolling down the stretch here. Like, that is a real thing when it comes to sports, especially when you are the Nets so dialed in on trying to make the playoffs and you look past the team that doesn't really have anything to play for at this point. 
Yeah, I think you're saying like this set it's set itself up for a letdown kind of style game, right? Yeah. Like, and may, maybe that is, maybe that's a real thing. I don't know. It feels very sports cliche ish, but I, it plays out perfectly here, <laughs> right? Like, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No, no. And, and I was just going to say, and coming up here in a second, we're going to talk about the performance from Mikhail Bridges and how he was the exact opposite of looking at this game as a letdown possibility. He just could not get anyone else to follow his lead. All right, before we get into that, we'll tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you're doing on Prize Picks, they made this so simple. This is why Prize Picks is great. They, all you're doing is you're making entries and you're just going with uh, more or less than the Prize Picks players' projections. So they'll just put up a, a card. It'll be a player, let's say Mikhail Bridges, you know, more or less the, on his points for this evening. Maybe it was 28 going into this game. That's an easy, easy, easy more over on Prize Picks, and all you're doing on Prize Picks after that, you're just piling together two to five, uh, two to six players, figuring out if they're going to score more or less in the Prize Picks projection. You can win up to twenty five times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. You're not going up against these sharks in the water. It's just you versus the projections available. They got the NBA rolling, MLB right around the corner here later on this week, NHL rolling through that season, PGA, we're getting into a major season. It's all covered for you over on Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up to play uh, daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Got to use the promo code LOCKED ON, just like our podcast network. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks is going to give you 100 deposits of 50. Prize Picks will give you 50. You can figure out all the other combinations there. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Okay. So when we look inside this game and the performance of Mikhail Bridges, we're going to talk about, let's make our absolute best effort here to not bring up the guys that disappointed us tonight because we got a whole third segment for that. But from a, a Mikhail Bridges standpoint, I, I did try because it took me a while, a lot longer than probably most fans, to acknowledge that this game was going to be a loss. I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for this thing to turn around. But what I did really enjoy from Mikhail Bridges, um, when you watch his game, he just continues to show other little nuances to his offensive game that I think really can get you excited about what it means after an offseason and evolving this roster a little bit around him. And I'll just make the point, the old rah-rah element, Every time that he went down and made a big bucket to try to get this one closer, try to pull them back, he, it was, he was looking at everybody, clapping the hands like, let's go. We can get right back into this thing. And I think it's predicated on a game, offensively especially, that that is starting to have the look of, not at the Kevin Durant level, the upper echelon of the NBA, but it's starting to look like he's getting pretty matchup proof. He can get to his spots and get his looks with consistency. 44-point performance tonight, nothing to not love about it. Yeah, 44 points is the second most points he's had in his career. Uh, the other one being the 45-point game he had against Miami uh, back in February. He was, you know, look, 44 points, 22 shots, 12 for 12 from the line. He was 81% true shooting, which is completely ridiculous. Um, he was basically perfect. I, like, there's really no, there's no other way to put it. Like, this is a nearly perfect offensive output from Mikhail Bridges. Like, and the other thing too is, yeah, he had 44 points. Again, I just said the, the it was 80.65% true shooting, which is hyper, hyper efficient. So this wasn't even like a volume kind of game. This was just right. a super efficient kind of game. And a lot of these looks, honestly, like they weren't super easy. Some of these looks were off balance, in traffic, moving the wrong direction, up over bigger defenders, rising and firing um, off of just like sort of start and stops. 
this was some some were open looks, but not all of them. He had some really high degree of difficulty shots in this game. Like he, mm-hmm. when he has it rolling, he is able to score over on all three levels against a bunch of different kinds of defenders, like taller guys. He can still kind of rise and fire and he can blow by at times. He can definitely rise and fire over to smaller defenders. Cause he's got such a long wingspan. I was basically seven foot wingspan and he's got a really high release too, which is, it's not underrated. It's actually very pronounced. Like he's got a unique shot style that makes him really hard to block. I mean, that, that ball is all the way at the apex when he, uh, on the release, there's nothing to say bad about him. I, I, it's, it's, it's actually frankly, kind of insane that he was this good and they lost this bad. I, it's actually very difficult to do. <laughs> like it's it's yeah. really hard to have your best player score this many points this efficiently and you're not even close to winning. He had double, he had twice as many points, more than twice as many points as the next as the highest magic player. Like yeah. if you do that against the team, if you told me before the game Mikhail Bridge is going to drop 44, super efficient He's going to more than double up the next closest magic player. What would you set the line at? Like Nets minus eight or something like that? <laughs> just yeah. realistically, right? Yeah. Like, what would you do? He was he was just that good. It's 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 actually so rare to be this complimentary around a guy that on a team that just lost. But I, I actually just don't know what else you do with the guy. He played like nearly in a perfect offensive game. Almost 42% of the Brooklyn Nets points were scored by Mikhail Bridges. And uh, he was sat down for the last four minutes of this game. So <laughs> when you right, he could have had 50, he, yes. he would have, if the game was close, he gets, he easily, he probably easily gets the 50. Like it was just that kind of game for him. And it's funny too. So, I mean, just, just the complimentary things around his offensive game that we keep seeing more and more of the off balance release. Like it's what, that's one of those things that I maybe wondered about him from afar coming in here. What if you have bodies in or around, you know, your lower body when you're, especially when you're in the lane, he had some nice leaners going away from it. He knows how to work the angles off the, off the glass, especially when he's fading around the baseline and some of those looks there as well. And those are the things that I did hone in on in this game of just saying like, okay, it's not just about the fact that he's a great mid-range shooter. It's also that he's a great mid-range shooter who can make the adjustment on the fly to the defense, drew some fouls even out there on the perimeter as well. But to your point, just about the performance, and and by the way, 12 of 12, you said at the line here, he's now starting to become that guy too. The outlier was the first game against Cleveland where he didn't get to the line at all, and that's a massive disappointment for him because outside of that game, Eight, nine, ten trips to the line with consistency. That really matters if you want to be one of the upper echelon players in the league. But a 44-point performance, we should be talking about a 50-point performance on the road against the Orlando Magic for Mikhail Bridges that helped further solidify the Brooklyn Nets playoff standings. And that's I still have to go back to this being a negative podcast episode because you wasted it. You wasted a great performance. We talk, we talk about this with Kevin Durant. You talk about it with Kyrie Irving, with James Harden. When great players give you great performances, you, you have to demand to get the win. And it was just shocking to see how little they were able to do outside of him. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, because it's like, again, from, a, from an overall tenor point of view it, or just sort of style, it is rare to be super, super complimentary with no negative aspects about a guy. And he was actually really good on defense in this game, too, I thought. Yeah. Um, but to go that way, it is a testament to how poorly everyone else played because and, – and, one thing to remember about him too, like you mentioned the, the zero free throws against Cleveland, like you hate to see those outliers. He actually has a couple games like that on mm-hmm. his ledger. So it's not all perfect for him, but 
you know, sort of the next evolution of really good offensive talents is the ability to get to the line because it usually means you're drawing more defensive. Um, you're well, you're obviously drawing more defensive contact. You're also just drawing more defensive, um, like eyes on you. Mm-hmm. Like more defenders are coming at you. They have to be more aggressive with you because they know that if they're not, you're just going to get easy baskets. Like these are signs of really good scores that you have to over aggressively defend because. If not, it will just be too easy for you, therefore. And then what that begets is you getting to the line more. Not always. Not for every player it's like that. It also means you are fine going into contact as well, which not all players want to do. He's actually, over the last about month, he's getting to the line about almost seven times a game, which is crazy because of two of these games he has zero attempts. So like he has spiked free throw attempts at times. That 6.9 attempts per game would put him like top 15 in the league. Uh, at least in terms of qualified guys in getting to the line. I mean, that's when you're talking like the elite scorers in the game. The other guys that are top of the league in drawing fouls, Giannis, Embiid, Luka, SGA, Dame, Jimmy Butler is a little bit of an outlier there because he doesn't score on the same level as those guys. He just gets to the line a ton. Trey, Tatum, Ja, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, KD, right? Like that list of guys that's up there in that kind of free throw attempt per game list is the best, are the best scorers in basketball, right? <laughs> like that is a correlated except for Jimmy, for the most part, free throw attempts are correlated with, you know, scoring because it's free trips yep. to the line, uh, for basically free points. And he's an amazing free throw shooter. This evolution, his game will a full season of this. Mikhail Bridges is going to be among the league leaders in scoring next year. Right. Yep. Like, and these games aren't, they're just not coming out of nowhere. And we can spin it. We can spin it positive by saying the Brooklyn Nets, the organization is seeing that Mikael Bridges is capable of being the guy that they didn't want to pass through for another four first-round picks from another team. This is the reason why they held on to him, and now it's about setting the pressure of you need to go and improve the roster around this player to ensure that these games don't get wasted going forward. By the way, um, we were talking about this before we got going here, but 13-22 overall for Mikael Bridges, 6-9 of nine from beyond the arc. Might as well just throw it in here as we'll now dive into a couple of specific players um, that were really frustrating for me tonight, let alone the guys that weren't available in Royce O'Neal and Edmund Sumner. But 6-9 of nine from beyond the arc. The team was 8-35, of 35, including the 6 made threes from Mikael Bridges. So just two three-pointers from everybody else on this roster. And then take out his 13-22. of 22. You end up with 35% from the field overall from this team, 24 of 69 if you take Mikhail off the court. I mean, just think about it. In a game like this, we're talking about everything that it was and look what the net result was. What would this game have been if he hadn't been available? What wow. if Mikhail Bridges wasn't a guy that plays every single game and didn't give you 44 points? We'd be talking about one of the things we've seen also this season for the Brooklyn Nets, losing by historic 40-plus numbers here. This would have been... I think we'd be taught we'd probably be contextualizing this game the right way if Mikhail hadn't played because that's how disappointing everybody else was. Yeah, it was just that kind of game. All right, we'll get into some of these other performances for the Nets here in a second. Although, man, it's going to be pre- kind of pretty painful when we do. Before we get to that, let's tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. You might be locked into March Madness. We're in Built March Madness bracket. That's the thing that we're going for here. We're trying to figure out the best. Built Bar or Puff Flavors, it's your chance to go over there and vote for yourself at Built March, Built March, here we go, I'll do it, BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. 
you, these are some of the choices you got here. Mint brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, coconut. This is just a small fraction of the flavors that Built Bar has available to you. That's because they concentrate on the flavors. They have the stats to back it up on the health stuff. These are the best protein bars available. Point stop. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into the drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, one Locked On fan is going to win a 12-month subscription for all you math nerds out there. That's one year. To Built, to have your Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door, you got to buy, you got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're amazing and they're also good for you. You'll never believe it once you taste them. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and p- or pick up a box. While you're there, you can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your, bic- your pick, BuiltMarchMadness.com. All right. So let's turn our attention to what was disappointing about this particular game. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine here. Um, so there's a couple of things. Obviously, wasn't a perfect we... read. That's that wasn't a perfect read. That's, that's all right. <laughs> He's one on one. He's one on one for a reason. I blame. Boys. I blame. You know. You know who I blame? I blame the rest of the Nets players, not named Mikael Bridges. That's right. right? Not everyone's going to be perfect today. Not everyone's going to be perfect today, as evidenced by everyone else besides Mikael Bridges and me with that last read. Not 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 Bill Parr's fault. We love Bill Parr. I was just I'm struggling. There's a lot of a lot of similar letters in a row there, and uh, yeah. Just running a little, you gotta a little spread, those, you gotta spread those right. letters out. Got to acknowledge, got to acknowledge, got to, got to own, got to own it. So I get better. That's all. Oh gosh. Anyway, the point is, uh, I'm fine. Don't worry about my face turning red here. Um, so you don't have Royce, you don't have Edmund Sumner. That that's one thing, and I actually think that that does matter. Now again, one nineteen, one oh six. Don't let the final score fool you about where this game was for much of the second half. Um, however, Royce has been a consistent player for them, so I think his absence absence mattered. Here's two guys, though, that have been consistently in the starting lineup and, for the most part, have been consistently disappointing. And that's Dorian Finney-Smith and, again, Cam Johnson. Now, Cam Johnson, you know, we heard, we mentioned this um, the last couple of episodes about how Jacques Vaughn talks about the other things that he does defensively, et cetera. And you can say likewise for Dorian Finney-Smith. But 1 of 7, 0 for 4 from beyond the arc for Dorian Finney-Smith. This is not the outlier. This is the norm for him of late. It's been incredibly frustrating to watch him play just two points in this one. Seven rebounds mean nothing effectively in this game because you just don't give any consistency. 26 minutes. Also 26 minutes for Cam Johnson. These guys both only played 25 minutes in the game prior, which is why I thought that coming into this one, you could lean on, on a back-to-back. You could say, hey, but here's two live bodies that came off some nice performances. They can take over a little bit here, specifically with Cam Johnson. Four of 10, one of five from beyond the arc. Again, three rebounds, just one assist in this one, 10 points. You know, the pendulum keeps swinging, just like with the Brooklyn Nets overall. My perspective on him is a very fluid outlook that I have because this is the kind of game when you need to be that guy. Spencer Dinwiddie, very disappointing. We'll get to him. But he's been great of late. So I can almost give Spencer Dinwiddie a pass on an absolutely brutal performance from the field because I would expect Cam Johnson to step up and fill that void, and he just couldn't do it. He could not do it at any point in this game. I thought there was one stretch where he knocked down a triple, had a nice defensive sequence, and then got the other way and got at the basket. Outside of that, he may as well not have played the 26 minutes tonight. Yeah, it's hard to know where to start with the bad performances here because literally everyone's reaching the bag. You pull a name out. 
Like it, it really is. I mean, like you could just, you could start with any of these guys. It was just really, really that bad. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned cam it has been very streaky. I, it's very difficult to make an overall assessment of his game right now. It's been yeah. incredibly inconsistent. I like, I don't now look, you're always going to be a little inconsistent when your main focus is shooting threes. Like that can be, it's not exactly a sticky stat. It is over the long term, but you can, you can be subject to variance and pretty high variance when it comes to how good or bad you look from three. And if that's what your game is predicated on, like Cam Johnson's is, there's going to be times that's going to look bad. I, he's tried to get to the mid range a little bit more. Um, there has been tried like, you know, attempts at more facilitation. I still, I I've said this every time we bring him up, it's going to be a long conversation about what happens with Cam Johnson here at Cameron Johnson in the off season. I, I'm actually not sure the yeah. Dorian Finney Smith thing. He had one shot tonight that looked like he was like mad at the rim, not mad at the net, <laughs> like mad at the rim. And it looked like he tried to peg it off the side of the rim from three. It was one of the ugliest shots from three. Now I usually wouldn't care except that the three point shooting for him has been brutal. It's been, it's yep. been terrible. He had a couple timely ones against Miami. He was over four in this one, two for five against Miami over four against Cleveland, one for three against the game before that over two, one for four, one for six. He can't hit threes. Like, and I hate to pile on the guy here, but he also like takes it at the rim and has missed an unbelievable amount of layups. Like I, it's been it's really tricky, though, that rim. You it, know, it's really really tough to watch, man. I, I get what he is. He's a you know he's a three and D role player, and he's got big size, and he's played an interesting role for them on defense, especially when they've wanted to go small ball five. And it's not all terrible because the defense I think is still fine but he just takes way too many shots. And it, part of it's predicated on the Nets offense, just like not having enough horses here, but it, it looks really ugly. And I don't know. The interesting thing here, when it comes to these two players specifically, and I think I mentioned this once before when it came to Cam Johnson, where I don't look at him entirely dissimilar to the way that I, that we've always looked at Joe Harris. You want to be a spot up three point shooter. Now the, the best part about Cam Johnson is he can also play defense. So he's a two way player for you, which is fantastic. And I do wonder how his role and how his consistency looks when you, you know, get the right collection of players around here and you maybe take him down the peg or two and say, well, you don't need to be the number three, number two scorer on this roster. You can just be a contributing guy that spots up. However, it still means you have to do that thing at a high level. The Dorian Finney-Smith piece of this, to your point, veteran, bench role player, playing in a starting role, that's going to be problematic. But remember, he's on a four-year contract, and we talked about value beyond this year going forward or even in trade value because it's such a team-friendly deal. I'm not saying he's not still going to have value, but it's starting to go the wrong direction here. If you put together 30 games where you go, I don't hit the three-pointer very consistently, I'm not so good around the rim, and, and while I have defensive value, it's not like he is an elite defensive player where you'd say, oh, well, he's a lockdown clamp kind of guy that we go ahead and put him on some of the most difficult matchups to save it off of some of our top talent. So there, there's some um, there's some warts being shown on both their games of late, and that is certainly frustrating. I, I will say just quickly, just to get just to mention, we're, I'm not look, overlooking the 0 of 11, 0 of 6 from beyond the arc from Spencer Dinwiddie. You want to see something weird? <laughs> Cam Johnson had 10 points in this game. He was 4 of 10. He's a minus 14. Spencer Dinwiddie's only a minus 2, and he's chucking them all over the place. Like it, It's imp almost incredible that he almost played net neutral. Now, he's on the court with Mikhail Bridges a lot, and that's going to help balance the books out. But I I'm willing to give him the pass because he's shown he can play at the high level. Those other two guys, it's, just been, it's been frustrating, man, for sure. 
Yeah, they tried to run a lot of pick and roll here. Um, he was able to kind of get past first defenders, seal them off, but then they just really weren't able to make anything else happen, right? Like, and yeah. that was part of the problem with the overall offensive scheme um, for this game is that pick and roll really wasn't working. I mean, it was working on like the first level, and then when they they kind of did uh, the magic would just bring enough help that there kind of wasn't anywhere to go. And part of that is because I think that you can see this like happening from time to time is the other teams are fine just letting guys like Dorian Finney Smith be open. Right. And so yeah. when you're going to, when you are fine having one of the other guys on the court just be wide open, you are going to be able to bring extra defenders sort of into the paint and just clog things up because you're like, dude, that guy can shoot as many threes as he wants. Like, who cares? Um, I don't think they have the same closeout kind of style with Cam uh, Johnson, but it was mostly like pick and roll wasn't working for Dinwiddie. He couldn't get anything going. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, he's been so good that it's, I don't really want to kill him here. He's really carried the team at times. It was just a really bad game for him, and it's a poorly timed bad game, um, as most bad games usually are. But, yeah, it was just one of those games. And so they were just really struggling to kind of just find any flow consistently. I mean, we can close off here just real quick with Cam Thomas. It is yes. funny about where, you know, essentially buried here for kind of weeks, uh, is able to play a bunch today, was able to score. I mean, what did you think of his game? Because I know, like, on paper, it looks he has 18 points in 26 minutes. I, like, I don't know. What do you think about what do you think of his game? I have an opinion, but I'm wondering if yours is the same as mine. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I thought that in a game like this, get him in there to help help give the boost, right? Where nobody else is able to support uh Mikhail Bridges. There were there were instances where I think we're we're continuing to see his game grow, but now a part of the problem kind of becomes is now he's hesitating to do some of the things you automatically want him to do. I thought that he, instead of maybe attacking towards the basket from the top of the key, when he had the one-on-one -on -one and could be his defender, he didn't do that. He held onto the ball an extra step and then went ahead and tried to distribute. And then even beyond that, there are just, there's still large chunks of his game when he's on the court that he doesn't, he, he's out of sorts that he gets caught with the ball in his hands, that he picks up his dribble that he does not make the right basketball play. I think that you'll probably give some more in-depth perspective on it. But to me, it's still everything that you love about him, the scoring, and something that's not quite there where you, where you feel comfortable saying, this is a 25-minute-a-night guy, a 30-minute-a-night guy, right? There has to be a reason there, and it's inconsistency. I just can't pinpoint what it is that he cannot seem to get over or that he cannot seem to massage his way through. And I think about, about a lot of young players like a day sharp. There's always holes in the game. It's a matter of when can they get over that hump? If they can get over that hump. Yeah. See this game to me screamed sort of like empty calories game. Yeah. I, um, and I know that he has 18 points and he has the second most points in the team. And he, you know, was one of the few guys that could actually score, you know, outside. And I get that part of it. And it's weird to take the second leading score on the team here and, and kind of say that it wasn't all that great, but it just kind of like, wasn't I 60, 18 points on 16 shots is not good. Right. No. And so like, that's, it, that's pretty inefficient. It had the feel to me early of um, like, he was taking some of these like weird cam shots that are yep. look, and sometimes they go in. So it can kind of fool your eyes a little bit. Like one of those like magic pictures, you know, like where you're just kind of like, you're staring at it so long and you're trying to wonder if it's the schooner or the sailboat or whatever in the background, like it will screw your eyes up a little bit. Cause you're like, man, that shot looked terrible, but it went in. So maybe I'm wrong. But like, I think a lot of times you're not wrong. It's just like, it is a terrible shot, but he somehow has the ability to make them sort of go in more. I thought this game was like very much. It, 
it looks so much better in the box score than it does in real life to me. That, that's to that's me kind is, of where I land on him. Yeah, this to me is where a lot of fans will, will look at this game and say, this is why I should be playing more, and I would push against it. And then just to, to cap it off, we always talk about – how don't be results-oriented if the process is correct, right? You make all the right plays offensively, you space the floor, you make the extra pass, the three-point shot from the corner wide open doesn't go down. Doesn't make it a bad play. Do not get hung up on the results. Likewise, just because Cam Thomas is getting shots to go down, don't get hung up on the result. There's a lot of things that maybe should have been happening in that sequence that didn't. So just because he finds his way to still put some in the, in the basket does not mean that he's executing and living within the offensive system the way that he needs to if you want to have total team success when he's on the court. Yeah, so anyway, it's like a little weird to kind of like take that tact with or take that sort of like lane with a guy who scored 18 points and looked like he was the only guy that could put the ball in the basket. And I get it. Like they did they did need that. And that helped to some degree keep him in the game because of the score. I, I just always sort of wonder about like, how it looks compared to what it is. And this game, I actually, in a lot of ways, I thought exemplified it. Cause I, he took a couple shots early. I was like, Oh, it's going to be this kind of game for him. Like he's mm-hmm. like, it's falling away. It's over bigger defenders. It's like these stopping weird angles and, and stuff like that. He had a couple he had the nice one plays. In the lane. It wasn't all bad. I don't know who it was over where he rose up straight as a pencil and the defender, he was engulfed. There was, a, you know, there was 12 inches of arms and limbs above his shot release. And he just, right up and over and went through. And that's an example of, of a, just him being a great shooter and being able to get that off even when he can't see the basket. So it is this, it's this mixed bag of things you love to see and not quite being able to get it to be what you need it to be when you need it to be that. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll hang around on YouTube Live for the folks. Yeah. Much appreciated that are over here on YouTube Live showing up in numbers over the last couple of days. Wins or losses still here in YouTube. Much appreciated. Make sure you hit subscribe to Locked on Nets YouTube as we Move towards 6,000 subscribers. Subscribe to Locked.net's over on YouTube. Raindrop. That's Sandy Lyle from Along Came Polly. Harkening back to that Dorian Finney-Smith huck and chuck off the backboard. Go check out those clips. It's a doozy and quite apt. All right, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.